Over at the Never Heard of It podcast, we've spent the last four years criticizing people's films and talking about how they could have made them better. Well, you know what? Now it's time to put your money where our mouth is. That's right. The Never Heard of It podcast and Night Shift Radio are making a movie. We are making a brand new sci-fi thriller called Somnium. Somnium is the tale of a brand new app, something kind of like TikTok, where people are able to watch others' dreams, everyone's dreams, anonymously across the world. However, our main character, Adam, starts to see dreams that look all too familiar, including dreams of somebody murdering him. So the question is, who is dreaming of murdering Adam? That's the question we look to answer in our brand new film, Somnium, but we need your help. We need your help in funding so we can pay the amazing crew and the amazing cast of this brand new film. Head to nightshiftradio.com somnium. Donate what you can, and if you can't, share with 100,000 of your closest friends. Someone out there is going to be a rich weirdo that's going to want to fund this film. So again, nightshiftradio.com somnium. Thank you so much, guys. We look forward to making this movie just for you. My name is Caleb Coy, and all of my life I've had encounters that I couldn't explain. As a child, raised in a deeply religious home, I was taught to believe in an invisible world of spirits, constantly at war. Growing up, I rejected faith in favor of science and skepticism. I don't know for sure that what I've witnessed were ghosts. I don't even know if I believe in ghosts. The souls of the dead, trapped in their last moments, some residual energy of life, obeying the laws of thermodynamics. Whispers from a parallel universe, only noticeable when the membranes slap together. Or just hallucinations from mold in the wall. In the stories that follow, we offer no explanations. Only the truth as it was observed. So join me, as Night Shift Radio presents, Possibly Normal. Episode 8, The Spirits of St. Louis From Lewis and Clark to Dred Scott, to Sarnen's iconic gateway arch, and arguably the most famous name in brewing, the city of St. Louis is inextricably linked to American history. Even the name of this episode is an homage to the first plane to fly around the world. Founded in 1764, it's an old city, full of stories, and it's inevitable that some of those stories will be ghost stories. And this town has plenty. Hell, even the exorcist house is here. In a slight departure from the usual format, this episode will feature a few shorter tales that by themselves aren't long enough for an episode, but are still worth sharing. With that said, The Smiling Man. After our first couple years of living in St. Louis, we moved into a mid-century high-rise downtown. The apartment itself was nothing special, though certainly nice for what we paid, but the view was spectacular. Top floor, east-facing balcony. Suffice, to, suffice it to say, I miss that. And a common thread in most of the hauntings I've encountered has been a feeling of dread, unease, or just a wrongness in the building, sometimes accompanied by nightmares. I didn't feel any of that here. In fact, I can't really say for sure that I personally experienced anything negative at all. There was the time I noticed three parallel scratch marks on my back. 
and I've watched enough episodes of Ghost Adventure to know that's supposedly an evil sign. Now, I'm not saying that this was evil or an attack of some sort. I'm not saying it wasn't. I don't think we lived here long enough for me to find out. Not really. Now, this is actually my wife Ellen's story. Long after we moved out, she told me about a particular night, actually around the same time uh, as finding the scratch marks on me. On this particular night, she woke up in the early hours, seemingly for no reason. Upon opening her eyes, she saw what she described as a young man with braided hair kneeling near the bed, just watching her. She says the man didn't seem to be dangerous or malicious. He just watched and smiled, which honestly is plenty creepy. Even as sleepy as she was, she attempted to debunk this. She looked towards the closet on the far side of the room, wondering if perhaps the door had been left open. Maybe she was seeing shadows from something inside. But it wasn't. And when she looked back, the man was gone. It's impossible to say what this man's presence meant. Was he smiling because he appreciated the company? Was he keeping watch over us? Or did the smile belie some more sinister intent? We never found out. The dinner party. You may have heard of arguably St. Louis's most famous haunted location, the Lemp Mansion. The Lemps were one of the great Midwest brewing families, German immigrants who settled here and built a fortune off their old world style lagers. The mansion was built in 1890 and still stands today in the shadow of one of the Lemp's long defunct brewery complexes. And the story of the Lemp family is one of extravagance and tragedy. The more you learn about them, the harder it is to disbelieve the stories of who or what may still linger. Now, I approach a place like the Lemp with a healthy skepticism. Enough claims that a place is haunted and people will swear that they saw or heard or felt something. Suggestion is a powerful thing. But still, I'd always been curious. So when the opportunity arose to attend a group dinner with some local foodies, I jumped at it. As I sat through dinner and heard the story of the house as told by one of the current owners, I felt nothing except for an insatiable curiosity. It was a gorgeous old home and worth appreciating on its architectural and historical merits alone. But I can't say it felt haunted. So after dinner, I wandered a bit. The museum and the gift shop is in an old vault down the hall from the dining area. This room definitely had a bit of a creepy vibe. And at this point, I still wasn't convinced of a haunting. It just felt a mild unease. And I got the same feeling in a couple of the other rooms. It's like my body's natural defenses were prepared for something frightening, but I wasn't actually scared. Then I walked into a small front room near the main entrance. On one wall was a giant old portrait of one of the family members. I don't recall which. And I immediately felt my skin crawl and my chest tighten a bit. It started to hurt as though someone had reached in and was squeezing my heart. A moment later, one of the employees came in to clean the room, so I left to wander some more and, of course, felt better immediately. When he was done, I returned to the room to see if I could experience anything more. Moments later, that same feeling returned, but worse. 
There was a pain in my chest. I began to have trouble breathing. My skin was tingling and felt hot. I took out my phone and tried to record some audio, but sadly captured nothing. On the way out, I asked the manager, what can you tell me about that room? And pointed to the front window, looking in on the room I had just left. His response? That was originally the ladies' parlor, but Charles Lamp had converted it to an office. That's where he's said to have shot himself in the chest. I recalled then the story he had told us over dinner, how Charles had burned the family papers in the fireplace and turned his gun on himself, adding his own name to the lengthy list of the family's tragic deaths. I hadn't known that that was the room from the story. I'm looking forward to an overnight stay sometime. The tour guide. I include this one not because I'm anxious to convince anyone that it was a genuine haunting, but rather because it makes me smile. At the end of episode two, I said that the apparitions in the chapel were the last benign encounter I would ever have. And that was true until this past Christmas Eve. And honestly, this one probably isn't really paranormal, but it was a fun story. And what's Christmas without a good ghost story? We decided to take a long walk to see the Christmas lights at the Anheuser-Busch Brewery Complex. It's a beautiful, enormous old complex of buildings right in the heart of the city. And this Christmas display had to be amazing, right? And yes, I was a bit stoned, which is part of why I don't make any solid claims about the validity of this story. As it turns out, the brewery lights display is closed on Christmas Eve, which didn't make much sense, but it also didn't stop us. We wandered the periphery of the complex, sneaking peeks of the lights whenever we could. Ellen walked on my left side. At some point, though, I started to feel like someone was walking alongside me on the right. I felt as though who or whatever it was just wanted to join us. Just a pleasant stroll in the evening. It even felt like the presence tried to grab and hold onto my hand as we walked. We approached a gate with a reasonably clear view of the lights, and I walked ahead to get a better view. And as I stood there, I felt the presence again, but this time a bit stronger. It was like someone had cozied up next to me and placed their head on my shoulder. I turned to look to see who it was, but I was alone. Ellen was several feet away, standing to the side. Leaning against the gate to get a better look, I began to feel like I was being pulled into it, like someone badly wanted to show me the, the sights on the other side. Come with me. Come with me. After a moment of this, I stepped back from the gate and the spell was broken. If anyone had been there with me, they were gone. <laughs> 